welcome to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness. This podcast is about diving into the lives of individuals who want more out of themselves and life, sharing stories and exposing the highs and lows of individuals and their journey in becoming the best versions of themselves. It is our mission to give you optimal information over topics on mindset, fitness, nutrition, personal development, entrepreneurship, and fresh perspectives to help you become the best version of yourself. Now, let's jump into it. Welcome back to the Destination Discipline Podcast. I'm your host, Gage Harness. And today we have an absolute stud, Mr. Austin Myers. Thanks for being here. Dude, I'm pumped to uh, sit down and talk to you. We connected for the first time, I guess about eight months ago in Austin, Texas, uh, for the 10th anniversary of uh, of BPN event. And uh, we had some great conversation there. So I'm really looking forward to our discussion today. Yeah, and it's, it's crazy to think that was like eight months ago, eight and a half. Time has flown. It's yeah. like it's been so fast and there's been so many changes in our lives too. Um, a lot of different growth, growth, a lot of different avenues and it's been fun. I'm, I'm excited to, to chop it up. Sweet. Let's do it. All right. Well, before we begin, you might as well just introduce yourself. Tell us who you are and what you're about. Yeah. Yeah. My name is Austin Myers. I'm uh, 26 going on 27 here in a few months, years old. Um, and I feel like right now I'm just about trying to find myself a little bit um, and figure out, you know, the path that's set out for me um, in my few years out of college as a professional. I've been a middle school English teacher for two years. I've worked at a running shoe store in Colorado and I've uh, been a copywriter at Bear Performance Nutrition. So uh, three different career fields in a way, uh, three different states, all in a matter of like four or five years. Um, And now kind of re-entering a transition period where I get to take the small steps forward um, and try to figure out, you know, what that next phase of life is. And hopefully that next phase of life is one that that lasts me you know, well into my 30s um, and just kind of trying to discover that purpose and that passion that I want to pursue. But outside of all of, all of that serious stuff, um, really into fitness, specifically running, um, love lifting as well. So that's that's pretty much my daily stuff there. And then always trying my best to continue learning, um, always trying to to read a book. I feel like that's kind of been ingrained in me from my experience as an English teacher is like, as a teacher, you're always reading, you're always encouraging your students to read, mm. but just, you know, falling in love with like the things that we don't know, um, easier said than done. Sometimes we can't always be, you know, truly open to the things that we don't know. But I think when we start to kind of pick up that, that trail of breadcrumbs and we start to realize how much can be discovered and we really just get curious about it, um, that's, that's something that, that can put us in a really great position in life. So that's something that I'm really trying to dive into in this period of transition. But outside of all of that, truly just a person who who has many flaws and um, struggles quite a bit, but 
at the end of the day, I love connecting with people on that shared struggle and how we can kind of, you know, embrace those aspects of our humanity that that aren't so easily discussed sometimes. Well said. When you share a vulnerability and you create such a connection with people. Um, I was just talking to Cody Soto last night. I think you know who that is. Yeah, absolutely. And we talked about that exact same thing that like, if you can get like just a group of people together and just talk about your, their biggest insecurities, their struggles and everything, they mm-hmm. connect at such a, a deeper level. Um, yeah. There's yeah, always that, there's always that tipping point too, right? Where it's like, we don't want to share, but then like one thing is shared or, or one person opens up and it's like, now we are comfortable with it. And now we start to see the benefit of it. It's not easy. Um, but there's, there's so much that we can get out of it because not only do we need to learn a lot about ourselves, but we can learn a lot about ourselves through other people. Hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, there's been in the last two years, if I could sum it up, like in one word, it would just be like people like Hmm. I have learned so much through people by legit, just one little sentence they say that hits home. And that is the tipping point. And if I could narrow it down, it's just, it's just people. And you mentioned one thing earlier about trying to find your purpose, your passion and carry that through your Mm thirties. And I feel like I found my passion through people, but it actually leads straight to my first question, which I, I, I dug up when I was looking you up and researching you. Um, uh, yeah, well, I don't think you found too much good stuff, but let me know. No, I, I did. Um, there's actually a lot of things you talked about in some of your old blogs and your writing that oh, nice. really struck home. And so the first one was a blog and it was about passion. Yeah. And you wrote this in 2020. And I, I kind of paraphrased it and you can correct me if I said something wrong, but you kind of stated that people fake passions for yeah. what trends are. Mm-hmm. And like they follow it or they follow the money and they just say that that's their passion. Mm-hmm. And he talked about a lot of those things. And so I wanted to just ask, and since you kind of already said it, that you're looking for that passion. Um, yeah. How do you think you're going to find it? Yeah. Well, I mean, first and foremost, like I appreciate you going back and, and finding that blog post. Um, I don't have a ton of blog posts on my website. I've been, pretty inconsistent with it over the years. But that was one of the first ones that I remember writing and posting and being truly proud of. Mm. Um, And I do find that trend of, you know, I am most proud of the work that stems from an issue that I'm struggling with. So I remember at that point in my life, I was teaching, I was probably my second year of teaching, which was my last year of teaching. And I knew it was probably my last year. And I knew that I was going to exit that career field at a very young age with the ability to discover what my passion is, because I knew it wasn't teaching because, and this is where that idea of faking it comes from. I saw people who were passionate about education and about the career field of teaching. And I knew that wasn't me. And I knew that I couldn't fake it until retirement. Not only could I not fake it, but I wouldn't want to. Mm-hmm. So my goal was to and and remains to be to find that passion. And I think over the past, you know, four or five years, I've I've found my way closer and closer and closer 
and really, I mean, I can I can probably name a few things that I'm passionate about right now. I'm I'm passionate about health and wellness. I'm passionate about connecting with people. Um, you know, in its simplest form, I'm I'm passionate about like the pursuit of goals and discovering, you know, what we are capable of. And now it's it's not necessarily as much a matter of discovering the passion. It's figuring out how to make that my life, my life's work. Um, and I think that in each position that I've held professionally, I've found aspects of that profession where I've been able to kind of kindle that fire of those passions. And I've been able to really explore them in greater depth, especially in my last role at, at Bear Performance Nutrition. Like the community aspect of BPN is second to none. And that really taught me how much I enjoy connecting with people. That's something that I may have undervalued in the past. But now I know like whatever I do with my life, I want it to involve people, connecting with people, helping people as much as I possibly can. And that's just something that I learned from my most recent you know, job. So I feel like there's going to be steps along the way where first and foremost, there's no finish line. We're not going to find a finish line. We don't want to find the finish line. That's not the goal. But what we want is to continue to develop our life's work, whatever that may be. Hopefully it, it stems from your passions and and the things that you truly enjoy doing, the things that like, you know, I've heard it said this way and it's the way that I've felt it best too, is that you can work and work and work and, you know, you're tired but you want to keep working. And I had so many days at BPN like that, especially the days where we would put on big events and we would get to connect with a ton of people. And it was like a full day of work. And then we would have another event the next day. And it's like, yeah, I'm tired, but I wouldn't choose to sleep in tomorrow. I want to get up. I want to sacrifice sleep for this type of work. So that's what I'm searching for. Um, is to discover my life's work in that way, something that I can do and I can pour myself into. All the days won't be easy. Uh, there's going to be a lot of struggle and there's still a lot of of doubt and insecurity that comes with pursuing our passions, even when we feel like we know what they are. Um, but at the end of the day, it's like, what are you willing to invest fully into? What are you willing to sacrifice for? And uh I think I've I've kind of discovered more from that day that I wrote that blog post. I'm certainly farther along that journey um, today than I was then. But I know that if I were to write another blog post, which I probably need to do <laughs> on my website, uh, if I were to write another post on on something like passion uh, or self-discovery today, I know that I could look back in two more years and say, wow, look how much farther along the journey I am. Mm. There's so much truth in that. And I'm really happy that you through the last four or five years and just discovering your passions with different jobs and endeavors that it's slowly, slowly changing you and you're discovering, you know, who you are. And um, it's like with your blog posts, as I was reading them, it was almost like, it was basically, it felt like you were talking to who you are right now, like your future self in that moment. Yeah. And I love those little things, like those little notes. And then you can look back and reflect on them. But yeah. to further the passion story, I actually picked up the book, The Last oh, Arrow. Great. 
That's great. Yeah, yeah, that was recommended to me. It's a great book. Yes. Uh, I'm only like three chapters in, but there's something he said about passion that hits home for me. And I'd like your two cents on it. And it yeah. says, passion is about what fuels us. Urgency is about how much passion or how much it matters right now. And passion is the fuel that brings urgency. And leadership is about bringing urgency to the things that matter most. And uh, yeah, I struggle to, to articulate things. So if you could somehow word that in your own way and i'll try to add on to it yeah Uh, but he has so many little phrases like that that just hit home in this book so i recommend it to anyone yeah yeah that book is the last arrow i was recommended to me um by a good friend and really grateful i think that really quickly before i dive into that quote like you want to you want to show up for somebody as a friend like recommend a good book um, I think that's something really small that we can do, but it, it really shows that like, not only do we care about somebody, but we also care about where they're at in their life, because that book was recommended to me at, at seemingly the perfect time. And I read, I read a few chapters of it and I'm like, okay, like this is a very good book, but you know, I, I don't identify with it specifically at this point in my life. And then I read like the next chapter the day after saying that. And I'm like, oh man, like he wrote that chapter for me. So, you know, just as a friend and, um, you know, what we can do for other people, like if you read a good book and you see someone who might benefit from it, definitely recommend it. It's a point that I'm going to try to make uh, moving forward because I greatly appreciated having that book recommended to me. But on that quote, and I may ask you to kind of read the back end of that one more time here in a moment, but, you know, urgency is the, the word that stands out to me there. Um I think that we have to have urgency behind our lives. Um, anytime, and I could I could argue that over the last few weeks, maybe I've fallen into this hole as well. So it's like you remind yourself of these things, but that doesn't mean you don't fall into the trap again. Um, you know, anytime that I haven't had urgency behind my action, meaning that I felt like the work needed to be done today. It could not be pushed off until tomorrow. That's urgency is believing that and knowing that it needs to be done now. And yeah, you could easily say like, well, you can do it tomorrow. And that's that's the hard truth is the majority of the work that you're doing, the majority of the things that you need to do in your life. Like, yeah, you can start your diet on Monday, but the best time to plant the tree was yesterday. So we may as well plant it today and not wait till tomorrow. Um, if you have a passion and you do, everyone has passions, you have multiple passions. And even if you don't know what they are, like have urgency behind discovering them. Because I think that we believe that we can sit back and these things will like slap us in the face. It's not going to happen. Um, every time that I've discovered something about myself, it's been because I've taken an action. And sometimes the majority of the time, truly, they're pretty seemingly insignificant actions that I'm taking. And that can mean like, okay, well, instead of sitting on the couch and watching a TV show, I'm going to go on a walk and listen to an audiobook. And then boom, like a, a whole string of thoughts and, and inspiration follows from that action from listening to the audiobook and truly just from getting some movement in and gaining some space. Mm-hmm. Um you know, having a structured routine that you have urgency behind, like for me, 
running is a huge part of my life. It's it's a huge part of six out of seven days of my week. So to do that with consistency, but to have urgency behind it too, and not just say, yeah, I mean, I do this every day. It's like every day is a new opportunity. So I'm going to get out there and I'm going to get what I can get out of that activity for the day, whether it be strictly physical benefits or whether it be, you know, just the clarity and and the uh, the really positive thinking that can influence your life that can come from it as well. Urgency is huge. Urgency drives action. Um, if you don't have urgency, you're going to probably be in a position where you're playing the victim. That's just my my experience with it, at least, is that if I'm not taking action, I find my thought processes falling into that of the victim, that of, that of someone who wants something handed to me. And like, why am I not there yet? What What is going wrong in my life that I can't control? But then you start to take actions and you start to shift from victim to, and I really love this comparison, to hero. Because we all love a good story, whether it be a book or a movie. And it's like, who do we want to or who do we even identify with most? Do we identify with the victim in the story? Or do we identify with the hero, the protagonist, the person who's making things happen, the person who the story is built off of? That is urgency. That is taking action on the challenges that you face. That is seeing the challenge as an opportunity to take action and then through that action to grow. You know, since I wrote that blog post a few years ago now, I would not have been farther along in my journey if I hadn't taken action. If I hadn't left the career field, which was a decision. I know it sounds easy to leave something because it's like, oh, you don't have to do it anymore. But also, there's a lot of doubt that comes with that. There's a lot of stability that you're leaving by exiting a career field, that consistent paycheck that you get. And then immediately following that time of my life, I moved to Colorado. So now this is my first time living out of state. I go there with my girlfriend who's going to work as a travel nurse. And and I'm going to try to figure out what's next. And I have no idea. So now we're there for two months. And well, not quite two months, but we're there for a period, probably felt like six months. And I don't have a job. It's like, what do I do? Well, what do I do is I lean on what I love doing. So I go to the local running shoe store and I apply for a job. Now, those were small actions there. I felt the urgency. I asked the question of what do I do next? What do I do? Not what is someone going to do for me? But it's what do I do next? So I take that next action because I feel the urgency. I feel the pressure. And that's self-imposed. I had nobody in my life saying, you need to go do this. Now, if I would have continued to wait and wait and wait, I probably would have had someone say, hey, you need to go get a job. But how would that have made me feel? Like, how would it have made me feel to have someone say, you need to go get a job? Well, now I'm not taking ownership over it. It's them telling me. So by having the urgency, you're also taking the ownership over your life, which is a very empowering feeling. So I go get that job. And from there, it's like just such a string of positivity. I mean, this is a part-time job that I was then able to turn into something that I was truly passionate about. That was an opportunity to, with, to engage with like-minded people, 
that was an opportunity to learn more about something that I love dearly, which is running. And I really believe that I took a lot of those skills into then the next career field and the next job opportunity that I had at BPN. And that's all because I felt the urgency and I took the chance on myself. And at the end of the day, I took ownership over what was rightfully mine, which is my life story and my passions. Hmm. Did I do okay? <laughs> you did okay. I, I didn't know I was going to go down that that string of events there, but um, I don't I don't remember the back end of the quote. If there's more to it, we can get into it. But um, you know, you you feel the positive impact of these things, like these small decisions, and these things, like these positive moments of our lives come out of the most challenging moments of our lives, the moments where we don't believe in ourselves at all. And I'm saying this to myself right now. Like I'm saying this from a position of great insecurity and great self-doubt of like, I don't know what the next two months, four months, six months of my life looks like. I have no idea. And I'm scared to death, but I do believe in myself. And I believe in myself because I've been here before and I know that I can get myself both out of this position, but also like I can come out of it stronger than ever before by just taking the small actions. And you're going to take the small actions every day. And nine out of 10 of those days, you're not going to feel like they did anything. But on that 10th day, you're going to realize that every decision that you made, every vote that you cast in favor of yourself, it compounded. And it's going to compound into something that's going to be truly amazing. Yeah, it's it could be the tiniest little step and mm -hmm. it creates more urgency and it just fuels you. And oh, she said so much there that that was so good. That was really it was just so good. Um I've fallen into that trap I don't know how many times. Like this podcast, for example, like or my diet, like losing weight and stuff. If mm -hmm. I fall into that trap, it's probably has to do with that. It's just like I really need to lose weight, but it's a Thursday. Thursday's not a good day to start a diet. Mm -hmm. Let's do it Monday. You said it. Mm -hmm. Or like when I went through surgery, and I don't know if I've ever really talked to you about it, but mm -mm. right after we met, I had surgery on my knee. And uh, I'm just now on the, the peak. I'm coming back to life. My knee's coming back. Um, and there's like six months of me doing absolutely nothing. And it honestly felt like exactly how you said it. It was just, I felt very lost. I was very insecure and I still am. And I just kept putting it off. Like everything that I wanted to do, I just kept putting it off and I was using my knee as a crutch. And mm -hmm. I'm curious, have you had any crutches in your life? Like you'd say, no, I can't do this right now because, mm -hmm. you know, something's stopping you that you can't control. You just won't admit it. Yeah, I mean, I think I have a lot of insecurities surrounding like um, experience, probably. I think everywhere I look, I, I can find somebody who I believe has more experience or more credibility. Uh, you can use writing as an example. Like, you know, I can say, oh, I don't need to I don't need to write a new blog post. Like, number one, no one cares. That's that's like one of the most common things that we'll all say is no one cares. And number two, like. Who am I to put out this writing on passion? Like, what do I know? Mm. But here's the thing. You know what you know. 
And other people don't know what you don't. Other people don't know what you know. They don't know the experiences that you've had. And and going back to like connecting with people, that's the beauty of connecting with people is that you're sharing an experiences that only that person has had. And through that, you understand better your experiences, your struggles. You You are able to validate your struggle. And that's something that we don't allow ourselves to do is is say that, you know, the way that I'm feeling is okay. This is normal. We believe that it's not normal to struggle. But then you like hear someone say that, oh, yeah, like I've been struggling for a, a long period of time right now. And I'm really not out of it, but I'm starting to feel better because I'm doing this thing. And it's like, oh, okay, so I can struggle. And actually, when I look at quote unquote, successful people, however you want to define success, you know, when I look at these people who have found their purpose, their passion, they're fulfilled. That came out of struggle. Like they were shaped through that struggle. So it's almost like I'm actually in a position that is advantageous to me because without this struggle, I can't become the person I'm meant to become. So then not only is it validated, but you're empowered in that moment of perceived weakness. Like you're supposed to be weak when you're struggling, right? But let's find the strength in it. And we have the strength necessary. We just have to let ourselves know that like you are strong enough to handle this right now. It's not going to feel like it. You need to take little actions, not not that big swing of the hammer, but you need to chip away day by day. That's strength. Because when you show up consistently, when you show up consistently with that action, you're just continuing to swing little by little, and then you break through. It's a great feeling, but that one big swing will never do anything. It's just going to Use all your energy and you're going to feel defeated. But it's the little the little swings of the hammer or the axe or whatever you want to swing. That's what's going to get you there. Yeah. Was it you that wrote? It, I think it was maybe your newsletter. I don't know, but it was like you hit a rock a thousand times and then it breaks on the thousand and one. Was that you? I don't, I don't think that was me. No? Um, if I had to guess, it was Joe, just because I credit Joe with a lot of smart <laughs> things <laughs> and his yeah. newsletter is great. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've heard that and I've seen the images as well, um, mm -hmm. where it's like, you know, the side by side image of the one cartoon guy uh, stopped swinging the hammer and he was so close to breaking through. And then the other one is just like continuing to swing the hammer. Um, and you never know how close you are. And you don't even really know what you're swinging for, right? Like, that's the hard part is I think we're led to believe that we know what our work is going to turn into. Yeah. We know why we're taking these little actions because we know the outcome. But, you know, the more that you progress through life, the more you realize what you don't know. And what you don't know is what's on the other side of, of that rock. Um, but rest assured that it's something very special and that it's worth working for. Mm. It's just a question I thought about right now is, do you think if people knew... Like they knew they had to work for it and they knew that the outcome, do you think people would actually do it or would you think that they'd get there? Not faster. Like how can I reword that? Do you see no, where I'm trying to go exactly, with that? I understand okay. exactly what you're saying. Um, and the thing that immediately came into my head was, is there an increase in urgency if you know what the outcome is or is there a decrease in urgency? And, and my guess would be, this is just my hypothesis. If you know what you're working towards, initially, 
there's going to be an increase in urgency because the way that we are are structured is that we want that shiny object, right? Like we want what is there for us. But the thing is, when we get it, or even when we we build this perception that we are close to getting it, Mm. we don't value it as much anymore. So I think if we knew what we were working towards, initially there'd be an increase in urgency, but that would quickly drop off. Quickly, Mm. we would not be you know, too impressed with our futures. And that's not because our our futures aren't impressive, but just because the more that we become familiar with something, the more that we devalue it, Mm -hmm. the more that we take it for granted. So I think that the true magic behind urgency is not knowing what you're working towards, not knowing what is on the other side of that rock, because you desperately want to find out. Like discovery is a beautiful thing. There's a lot of insecurity that comes along with discovery, but at the end of the day, it is oftentimes what can drive us. I agree with their hypothesis. I think uh, there's so much joy in the unknown. Like there's a lot of fear, but there is a lot of joy, right? If it was set in stone, like each step you have to take and you're going to get to this point. I mean, you said it three years ago in your blog about passion is that the fire will slowly burn away. And you'll lose that passion. And I think that image that we've created is it's a, right on the head. So, yeah. man, there's a lot to unpack there. But you've said good life story, I don't know how many times. Mm. And talking about your life story and yeah. all those things. And you've went from living in Kentucky to moving to Colorado to finding your passion for or just seeking things you love and trying to create something out of it, create opportunities. So you worked at, what was again? Fleet Feet? Feet Fleet? It was was Runner's Roost. It was a local Colorado running store. Okay, Runner's Roost. Okay, so there, and then that led you to Texas, and running has led you to all kinds of different things. Yeah. And and I was really curious. I wanted to talk about your 100-mile race. Yeah. um, Because... For one, congrats. That's incredible. But I'm curious, like you've talked about it a lot. Like what was going through your head during that? What were you thinking about? Were you thinking about the last years that you've been through? Or are you thinking about the future in those moments more? Or Yeah, that's a a great question. Um, You know, I, I, that was a very special moment of my life for a lot of reasons. Um, and one that has almost been equal parts like gratifying to look back at, but also kind of hard because it's like you feel like it's over. It's not over. That moment is over. That moment in time is over. But, you know, everything else is kind of just beginning. I think during the race, there's a few takeaways um, that I have. Number one, to answer your question, I think I was probably thinking more about the past. Um, because it felt like life had changed so quickly uh, in that last 12 months. I mean, to say that, you know, running that race February 2023, in February 2022, I was working at the running store in Colorado um, with plans to move back to Kentucky and figure things out from there, because Colorado was always pretty much a short-term, you know, part of our lives. Mm-hmm. Um so to say that a year later, I would, you know, not only be in Texas running 100 miles, which I wouldn't have anticipated, like I was training for my second marathon. Um, 
a year before this race. So to say that I would be running 100 miles in, in Texas, and then that every 20 miles when I get back to, you know, our kind of base camp, like I would have a crew of people there supporting me and supporting like what we were doing and what it represented. Um, I had to think about the past more than the future because truly, you know, the past kind of brought up like the emotions of it, of like, how special is this? Um, it, it put a lot of value to what was happening. I couldn't have, I couldn't have looked past what had, you know, happened to me to get to that point. Um, and, and truly valued that moment as much as I did. And there was nothing to consider in the future. Like everything that I wanted was there in that moment. I wanted to be able to push myself. I wanted to be able to overcome a challenging circumstance. I wanted to be surrounded by people who who valued me and I valued them. Everything that I wanted and needed was in that moment. There was nothing to consider in the future beyond the next step. Um, but I will say another takeaway that I had from this race was how how impressive it is that we can like lock into something. Mm. I, I mean, I will say like 100 mile race, 22 hours. I didn't think nearly as much as I thought I was going to think. I mean, there was probably a lot of like subconscious thinking, but there wasn't a ton of deep thought. Uh, it was truly like, okay, keep moving step by step. Keep moving like fuel. Um, you know, how are you feeling like constant analysis of how the body's feeling? I mean, it was a mission. And, and I say that because it's truly impressive. Like when we have a goal, and when we know what it's going to take to get there, we can lock in and we can block out everything that doesn't matter. And we can only focus on what does. And 100 miles, I mean, you know, it went by pretty fast, all things considered, at least until the last like eight miles. The last eight miles were not fast at all. But and that and, you know, the last eight miles is when I was probably doing the most negative thinking. And I put myself there like I almost anticipated like the last eight to 10 miles, you are going to struggle. And when you tell yourself the story, it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. Like you tell yourself for 90 miles, you're going to struggle when you get to mile 90. You don't like that part of the course because it's a loop course and you've seen it four times. Like you're going to be in a lot of pain. Well, of course you're going to be in a lot of pain if you tell yourself you're going to be in a lot of pain. So that's, that's a lesson learned for me is like, hey, you write the story. You don't have to tell yourself the story before it happens. But you know, that race was just truly eye-opening that like, I'm going to set a goal and I'm going to lock in on it. Now, that's not sustainable for your entire life, every single, you know, week and month. And because of that, I've taken downtime from a very, you know, serious, like rigid goal. And I'm just training for fun and, and focusing on other areas of my life as more of the goal-oriented, outcome-oriented things. But you know, I'd be lying if I said I wasn't excited for another opportunity to train and like race in that type of environment that's extremely focused because you just realize how much strength not only your body has to overcome something like, you know, that whatever you may have perceived as a limit for yourself, but how much power your mind has to go to the place that it needs to go, that it could only have gone if you would have trained it for months 
to go to that place. I mean, I, I think that I put myself in that position during that race of like just being hyper focused because I completely like settled into my training over the month that preceded that race. Like I would go out at the same exact time every single morning and I would run the same exact route, the same exact distance. And I mean, I remember a few of my training runs. I was like, man, I'm like basically blacked out when I'm training. Like I'm not even thinking. I'm thinking, but I'm not really even like up and looking around. Like everything's pretty, um, pretty much in the subconscious part of my mind. And I think because of that, because I trained myself, you know, for what 100 miles was going to take, you know, I couldn't have been um, hyper aware and like hyper stimulated for 100 miles for 22 hours. It just would have been too much. And I actually heard something recently that I think is really powerful. It's that like when we are using our minds and when we're using our bodies, we're using the same energy sources. We're pulling from the same places. So it's like if we are using our minds, so like put yourself in the situation of, um, should I work out today? Okay, yeah, I should work out today. What time should I work out today? Going through that thought process of like, what should I wear? What should I eat beforehand? Like all these questions that you're asking yourself, all of these decisions that you're forcing yourself to make are actually pulling from the same energy stores that you're going to use for that workout. So in reflecting on not only that piece of knowledge, but also my experience with the race, it's like, how much can I routinize, if that's a word, my life? Or like these important parts of my life that I know are going to require physical energy. So I'm not going to pull from the, the mental energy. You hear those stories of um, Mark Zuckerberg. He probably still does, but he wore like the same outfit or like he had all his whole closet was the same outfit every single day because he wouldn't have to make the decision of what to wear in the morning. So he's saving that energy. And I think that there's, you know, we don't have to go to that extreme, but there are these parts of our lives, like these these conflicting moments of our our every day where it's like, oh man, it's, it's a struggle to get myself out the door to run. Well, it's like make it routine. Find the parts that are like really easy because then once you start running, you lock in. Like you will lock in, you'll get the job done. It's just about starting. Yeah, it is. It is. It's like uh you just dumb everything else down to like mm -hmm. where it's instant. Yeah. And then you mimic it in training and mm -hmm. and all that and that's really cool that you talked about how everything was right there for you. Everything you wanted, you know, the community, you're pushing yourself. You're probably hurting um, yeah. probably longer or more in the race than you probably thought just because you're so locked in. Yeah. Um, what was it like after the race? Yeah, I was, I was probably going to discuss this, even if you didn't ask it. Um, you know, it's, we can talk about like the week following the race and then we can talk about, all the way up until now um you ride this high after something like that where it's like oh my gosh i did it like this is an amazing feeling and my body was hurting pretty badly but i made myself very attentive to how it felt and like what was hurting because i i did say this multiple times throughout the race with with my pacers and and just in my head as well like this is special like how many times in our lives do we 
start running before the sun comes up. And then we run all the way until the sun comes down, goes down. And then fortunately I was able to finish the race before the sun came up again. But like, you're just doing these things that are, are so out of the ordinary and so unique. And it's something to appreciate. It's something to enjoy. So when I was feeling that pain, both during and after the race, I just had to remind myself, like, number one, this doesn't last forever. And because this doesn't last forever, you better enjoy it. And you better remember how it felt. And so I would kind of just take inventory of like how my body felt each day, the struggles that I was having. But also, I was extremely impressed with like how the body recovers. And it's like after the second day, I felt like there was like a week of time where I got a little bit better every single day. And I just thought that was so cool because the body truly is like, taking on this massive stress but it can always return to baseline it can always repair what had been done to it and i thought that was really cool um but yeah i mean you i i mentioned it the other day on the podcast that i do kind of talking about that post-race period i mean everything is like is there for you after a race like your your ego is full like you did the thing, you got the recognition and you get to, in a way, enjoy that. And that's okay. Like, you know, we talk about ego as like this awful thing that we need to push back against. I believe we need to understand what ego is. We need to know it's there. We need to recognize it and identify it. But it does drive action and it can, you know, help us to do pretty amazing things. And also it's like, doesn't always have to be ego. Maybe you're just proud of yourself. That's okay too. And, you know, after that race, like I got to enjoy it for a little bit and I let myself enjoy it for a little bit. I let myself be proud and uh, did my best to reflect on it. And um, that period ends, you know, at some point, like life has to go on. You go back to work, everyone moves on with their lives. And it just becomes that thing that you did. And I think that's the way it needs to be. Like we can't, we can't, you know, it said rest on your laurels. Like you just can't do it. You have to move on. You have to, you have to focus on what's next. And it, what's next does not have to be more than what you just did. Um, I don't have to go run 150 miles or I don't have to go run 100 miles faster than I just did. Um, but I do have to get back into the routine of taking the small actions. Um, and I was able to kind of pull from like, what did I learn from this experience? Well, I learned that like, number one, a routine is really powerful for me. Um, and if I can make routine, some of the parts of my professional life or personal life, um, that, you know, in a similar fashion to how I made routine my running, then that can be really powerful. Not because I want to you know, like devalue the work. I think when you say make something routine, it's like, well, you're just doing it and you're kind of like going through without thought. The The intention's there, but it's a matter of like routine, making something routine to me is putting the urgency on it to say that I'm going to do it no matter what. Like there is no doubt that at this time, on this day, I am fully present in this moment. And that's making something routine in the right way, in the way that produces growth and positive outcomes. So there was a lot of positive that I was able to take, not only from the experience of the race, but also like for me as a person, like how can I continue to grow from 
you know, this, this cycle of training that I just came out of, like, there's something we can always take from the physical and apply to other aspects of our lives. Um, but then coming down from that, there's a lot of struggle. I mean, there's like, you just feel lost. And I've felt lost for a bit of time now, um, yeah. where you don't know what to identify with. You overanalyze everything. Um, and, you know, oddly enough, like, there's a lot to be proud of, but you're like leading with doubt. And that's such a scary place to be is like to take action and to doubt every single action you take. Um, it's hard to get to the root of that. I think sometimes we're constantly searching for external validation. Um, and that may have been part of it is like, you know, am I getting the feedback signals that I want from other people? And it's like, well, I'm, you know, those, those feedback signals aren't as heightened as they were when I was running my ultra marathon or when I was about to run the ultra marathon. So it's like, mm, maybe I'm doing something wrong. It just doesn't feel the way that it did feel, but it's a different situation. It's a different world. And so coming down from that, I mean, it's like you're, you're rediscovering who you are. Um, you know, I was able to get back into running pretty consistently, like three weeks after, um, by four weeks after I was pretty much training as normal. Um, so I was able to bring that part of my life back together. But then what I found is I'm only feeling good about myself when I'm training. Um, and in some ways I'm still in that right now where it's like, I'm having a bad day. I go train, feel better for two hours. And then I start to struggle again. Um, there's a lot of work that needs to be done on ourselves and it's not all physical. Like we can always fall into that. Like what gives us the best bang for our buck for a lot of people. It is like that workout, that run. Um, maybe some people like it's, Oh, I, I journal or I read a book or, um, you know, like I, I do my daily devotional something like that. These are things that I've discovered as like, tools that I can use for myself in moments when I'm struggling, like I cannot consistently lean on training. Something that I've come back to a lot over the last few months in, in this struggle is like everything in my life, I need to be okay if it's taken away. So like running, imagine if you couldn't run anymore. You need to be okay with that in some way. That doesn't mean you need to be happy with it, but you need to be okay with it you need to have other things in your life that can fulfill you hmm. i said this a lot about my job i said if you no longer work here you need to be okay with that and guess what life gives you that opportunity to be okay with that hmm. and it's not easy it's not an easy road but it, it just shows like how many levels there are to this life that we live and it's so easy to lean on the things that give us the quickest form and the most you know, full form of, of gratification. But at the end of the day, you need to ask yourself, like, if this single thing was taken away from me, would I be okay with it? Could I move forward? Could I find my way out of that struggle? And uh, when you ask the right question, sometimes you'll be tested. But because you ask the question, you'll be prepared for it. Yeah. Wow. So when you said that, the finish a finish line is deceiving on your Instagram post. Mm. Was the finish line or could the finish line be more of 
when you got off that high instead of just going straight across it. Yeah. 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 Because <laughs> it's so funny when I crossed the finish line, man, there was, that was, that was like the weirdest finish line of my life. I mean, I was, I was falling asleep for the last 20 miles of that race. Yeah. But I, I crossed the finish line and I was number one in a bad mood, which is stupid on my end. Like I need to, I, I look back at the last 10 miles of that race and that's one of the greatest reflections that I have of like, you next time you do this, you need to handle that better. <laughs> like you did not handle the last 10 miles of that race. Well, uh, and it carried through the finish line. I mean, I crossed the finish line, any videos you see of that, like I'm just done, <laughs> like mentally, emotionally, physically done. Uh, and I was asleep in the car five minutes after I crossed the finish line. So, um, yeah. And, and it's not over, right? Like it's not over you don't know what the finish line is um, both for like a moment and for like every other part of your life. I don't believe in a finish line. There's only one true finish line in life and that's the end of your life. I always view quote unquote finish lines like that of a race as a benchmark, as a checkpoint for where you're at because I'm not going to run 100 miles and say I'm never going to run a race again. I'm never going to cross the finish line again, or I'm never going to run again. Uh, it's not the finish line. And it's also deceiving, too, because we cross the finish line and we expect to feel better. We expect all of our problems to be solved. And for a moment, it feels like they are. You know, for that week after the race, I was on top of the world. And then you come back to ground zero. And you look up at the mountaintop again and you say, I'm going to climb again. And I'm going to find the peak of that mountain again. But I need to rest a little bit. <laughs> and I need yeah. to address other parts of my life before I start, before I start climbing again. Um, yeah. We can't always just be on the mountaintop we can't always be looking down we need to be looking up like on our backs or maybe face planted into the ground like we need to feel that we need to feel the low whatever rock bottom is for you you know maybe you found it at some point in your life maybe you think you found it but you truly haven't maybe you haven't felt rock bottom yet you will at some point understand that to feel rock bottom is to give you the perspective that you need to truly appreciate what the mountaintop feels like because if you don't know what the bottom feels like you don't know the difference between bottom and top so you know i'm at a point right now where i'm i'm i don't feel like uh i'm at the top of the mountain anymore and that's okay i've had to become okay with that um and if we always stood at the top of the mountain it, the views just aren't as special you know like we have yeah. to we have to go from from bottom to top and that journey that it takes to get there and the struggle and the sacrifice that it takes to get to the top of the mountain. Like we need to endure that to truly appreciate what it feels like to get to the top. Oh yeah. You're starting to climb. Maybe I'm maybe starting you to just climb woke up again. from your nap. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm starting to climb again. Um, yeah. I, I feel it, but, yeah. but I, I sat at the bottom for a little bit and, you know, I think that in a way, like to sit at the bottom is okay. You know, I, the way that I discuss it is 
it feels like you're not moving because you're not climbing, right? But it's like you're readying yourself. You are getting things in order. You are addressing the parts of your life that you cannot address when you are in the climb. Um, so, you know, it may not feel like you're moving, but you're making progress. And you'll see that progress when you once again begin to climb the mountain and you're like, OK, I'm prepared for this because I've be I've tried to climb the mountain before and I wasn't prepared. And you can't hide from that. You can't hide from the fact that your life is not in order outside of your pursuit up the mountain. So to sit at the bottom is OK. Don't view that as like, oh, I'm not making any progress. There's always room for growth, even if it's not like the shiny type of growth that we want to put on Instagram. But there's work to be done on yourself. And that work is just as important as the work that it takes to get to the top of the mountain. Yep. I agree. I agree. The lows is what gets you to the high. So, yeah. Um, well said. Gosh, man, you are so well-spoken. I am <laughs> I appreciate it. impressed. I, I even in person, I remember like very, yeah, you're a very deep thinker and you're very, very aware. And a lot of people, I, I, I want some of that. Like I respect it. Like I think if people became a little more aware, it'd be, it'd be awesome. Sometimes it feels like I'm talking in circles. So I'm glad it's coming out. All right. <laughs> nope. It's coming. It's you're doing great. Um, but just to, to continue on with the conversation, I asked this question to everyone and I, I, ironically, you wrote a blog about this. <laughs> mm. Uh, this time it was in 2019. Oh, wow. So four years. So maybe your first year of teaching that, that may be my first, one of my first blog posts ever. I believe it is. Yeah. Uh, it's called one, two, three, go. That's my first blog post ever. <laughs> yes. Awesome. Yes. And, uh, it was really awesome when I read this. Cause I was like, wow, this is, I, this gives a really good time or a chance for you to reflect. Mm -hmm. Um, so the question is, what are three values you live by or you're working to live by? And in 2019, the three values that you talked about, and this is describing your future self in the blog, it talked about that, is you were going to be selfless, intelligent, and a role model. Mm. And I know that your humility will play a part in this, but do you see yourself as those? Like, have you proved your 2019 mm. yourself self-right? Yeah. Um, and I think that like looking back on that, I probably should do this again. Like those would change for sure. Yeah. I still stand by those, but like, would those be the the three most important? Um, like I look at something like intelligent and I think, you know, it's okay if people don't view me as intelligent, as long as I'm able to use like whatever knowledge I have for you know, the ability to be something like a role model or to be selfless. Um, I mean, I have to take a hard look at number one and say selfless. Like, have I been selfless in my life? Have I served other people as much as I've, I've served myself? And I think we all know that like we have to serve ourselves before we serve others. Um, but it's really easy to take that and run with it. And I think that I've done that too many times over the past four years of saying like, I have to put myself first, but then you're never putting anyone else first. Mm -hmm. um, and that's been, that's been some, some hard lessons learned of my life. Um, so that's one that I would look at and say, like, we can develop that. Um, there's room for growth. It's not that you're not selfless, but 
you can be more selfless and you can be, um, you know, of service to people in a better way. Um, as far as being a role model, I hope that I have been um, for whoever, you know, it, it may be. I know I wrote this post when I was teaching, so it definitely makes sense that I would have said something like role model. But I think that we're all in a position of being a role model and being of influence to anyone who's around us every single day. You know, I think that the word influence and being a quote unquote influencer like has a negative connotation to it nowadays um, just because of social media and like the way that we view what an influencer is. But I mean, it's true. Like you have influence over other people. The actions that you take, the words that you say will influence anyone who's around you and anyone who sees maybe you post something on social media. Now, that person gets to choose how much it influences them. And it can be a positive or negative influence. But to put that on somebody, like you need to be very aware of what you are, are spreading. Like, are you spreading goodness? Are you spreading light? Or are you spreading negativity and like darkness? And um, there's enough negativity and darkness in the world. Amen. So it's like you need to be able to spread something positive and and what is positive to you? Like, what are the positive aspects of your life that you want to spread? And how do you want to spread it? Like something, you know, for me, obviously, we keep talking about my blog posts and newsletter. Like, I love spreading. I use the word perspectives, because I believe a lot in the power of perspective, because that is the unique aspect of us as individuals is we all have differing perspectives. And because of that, we all have something very special to share. So whenever I, I say that I'm sharing something like a newsletter, I always say I'm going to provide you with perspectives on a topic. I'm not going to provide you with the right way to think about it, but I'm going to provide you with the way that I think about it. And that's where you get to choose whether you want to view it the way that I view it, whether you want to push back against the way that I view it or whether you want to maybe kind of shape it in your own way, which I would encourage anyone to do, like take what I write in my newsletter and apply it to your own life, apply it to your own experiences, where you've been and where you're going. And I think that's really where we can all be role models. Like You have mm -hmm. the choice. It's when we don't see that and when we don't believe that we're a role model that it gets dangerous because we start to take actions that, you know, um, can potentially influence people in the wrong way. And it's probably not in alignment with who we truly are, which is why it's important to ask these questions of like, what are my values? I love the question of, you know, you're, you're at your funeral, obviously, you're not at your funeral, but people are at your funeral, and you're maybe watching over it. It's like, what do you mm -hmm. want people to say about you? And you know, every time I hear that, it, it kind of like really makes me think because it should make you think like mm -hmm. you have the ability to influence what people say about you at your funeral. And also going back to urgency, we don't know when that's going to be. So you better live with urgency behind your values and you better live out the person that you want to be today because tomorrow is not promised. Mm. Yes. I mean, with the role model part. I think you are one. I genuinely look at you as a role model. 
Um, Appreciate that. And, you know, you kind of, you said it pretty much, but you have no idea who's listening, who's watching or the influence that like the people you influence and then their influence on those people and, and so on and so on. And the people that I admire the most are when they're at rock bottom and how they handle themselves. I think that's mm-hmm. what creates a role model is how you are when you're at the bottom instead of just the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And you two, said two, two quick thoughts on that. Um, well, maybe just one. I think I may have just forgotten the first, but <laughs> my, my quick thought on that is, oh yeah. Okay. The first one is this. If you don't believe that you're a role model, be very intentional about this, but begin to share stuff on social media. Like if you don't share a lot on social media right now, or it doesn't even have to be social media, like start a newsletter, share it on Facebook one time, get five subscribers and like share something once a week. The reason I say to do that is because you will have somebody, even if it's just one person, you will have somebody reach out and say, I really like that. Like that really made me think that really helped me through this moment of my life. And believe me when I tell you that that one person will make your week. <laughs> like it will make you feel like you are a role. It shows you that you're a role model. It validates your ability to give positive influence to the lives of other people. So if you don't believe what we're saying here, that you are a role model, begin to share a little bit more and share through the perspective of your values. And the second thing is that that influence is your unique influence. Like no one can share it like you can and take ownership over that and believe in that and use that to to validate and like push back against that imposter syndrome because it's there. Like you're going to feel like you shouldn't be the person sharing it, but no one can share these perspectives like you can. So you can really lean into that. Yeah. Well said. And it, it, man, you're right. Uh, if people were like, so I've had people reach out for the podcast and they're like, dude, mm-hmm. this is right at the proper time. Like I needed mm-hmm. this, like, this is the book I needed for you. Like here recently, mm-hmm. like there's nothing, you feel so good. And yeah. you're like, okay, it's reassuring that, you know, you're doing the right thing. Even if it's small, you're doing yeah. the right thing. So yeah. um, I guess now the question is, what is a message for future Austin? Mm. man <laughs> yeah yeah uh there's probably a few <laughs> that i could okay. that i could choose from i i'm gonna i'm gonna try to to narrow it down to one i'll probably go on a quick rant about it but um a message from my future self man um i think it's it's got to be to invest in other people. Um, you know, I, I think when we're, we're struggling the most, um, what we don't want to do is, or at least we don't gain a lot of gratification from investing in ourselves anymore. Like we, we pour into ourselves and we, we try to dig ourselves out of this hole. And it's like serving yourself is only going to do so much. But when you begin to serve other people, number one, it allows you to almost forget about your problems because now you're starting to see the greater, you know, extent of what's going on around you. Like everybody has problems and we forget that. So to pour into other people, to meet them where they're at 
and to be of service and to use something like that, like that guiding value of the importance of connection to focus on that more than you focus on yourself. Um, I know when I'm in a hard moment, all I want to do is focus on myself because I fear that I'm the only person who can save myself in that moment. And it's not true. Like other people are there for me. And by being there for other people, I then see that they're there for me too. And now there's a community of people. And that's why podcasts like yours are so powerful is that it shows the community. Like we're all here. We're all struggling. We're all trying to find our way. We're all trying to take those little swings in the hammer to get on the other side and to see what's there for us to discover it. Mm-hmm. But when we believe it's only us and we're like isolated and when we're struggling, it doesn't feel good. It doesn't even feel good when we have good days. Like if we feel like we made a little bit of progress, but we did it alone. Mm-hmm. If we feel like we made a little bit of progress and we don't really know why or how or like what that progress is leading us towards. By opening ourselves up to other people, both in a vulnerable way and sharing our struggle and also in in aiming to like serve other people, um, it allows us to have that greater perspective and to truly appreciate like the full extent of this life that we're living in and not just view it as like me against the world. It's not you against the world. It's you and the world. You, We are together in this. Um, and yeah, look like raise your head up, look around and see that there are too many instances in this world where people are alone and they're making very harmful decisions to themselves and to the lives of other well-meaning people who didn't deserve to have anything happen to them. Mm. And it's extremely important that we connect with people because it, it will guide us to the right path to connect with people, to see the world from another person's point of view. And then to use that to inform why we're here and what we should be doing to live out our values. I love it. Austin will appreciate that in the future. I'm a yeah. little certain. Yeah. Hopefully he takes Gosh. his advice. <laughs> yeah, his advice. Yeah. Gosh. Well, you said so many things in this that I haven't really thought about in a while. And I, I appreciate you coming on like wholeheartedly. I think, uh, Right now, I know you said that you're lost and you don't really know where you're headed, but man, just keep chipping away. Like you were saying, just keep chipping away. I'm really, really excited to see where you go and what you do and how you invest in people. It's going to be really special, Austin. So you're not alone. Whoever is listening to this, you're not alone. Reach out to us, talk to us, share with people. Yeah, they can pull you out of some deep spots. So appreciate yeah. you austin yeah. yeah it was a great conversation thank you for having me on yeah but before we get we end where can people find you oh yeah um you can find me on instagram at austin myers 12 m-y-e-r-s for myers um and i also host and co-host a podcast called the elevate your running podcast and that is on any platform that you listen to and you'll also see some clips of that uh, through my Instagram. So definitely connect with me there, reach out um, because it truly does like make my day to be able to connect with people. And um, I like to kind of view like Instagram DMS as just having somebody face to face. Like, I think that's how we need to view it. Like that's a, 
it's another person on the other side of that screen. So mm-hmm. to be as intentional behind, you know, those text conversations as we are with in-face conversations, I think can really provide value to social media. For sure. And then people can think about it, but where can they find oh, the true, newsletter? I <laughs> forget about it. Um, yeah. So I, uh, I have a newsletter. Um, I actually just restarted um, and rebranded behind the name. Think about it. Uh, where I provide just some some things that you may not think about on a on a daily basis, um, but hopefully kind of provide your life um, with value and and provide you with greater perspective. So I send that out every single Sunday morning, um, and you can find the link to subscribe uh, through my Instagram. You can just access it uh, through my Instagram, and you'll find the link to subscribe to the newsletter there. Awesome. Well. It'll all be in the show notes below, but Austin, again, thank you, man. It was very, very nice to chop it up and and get to know you. I didn't know this, a lot of this. So yeah, um, yeah. It's a great time. Thank you. Yep. Thank you for tuning in to the Destination Discipline Podcast. If you found value in this episode, we would greatly appreciate it if you left us a review and followed us on the platform Either way, I appreciate you so much. And if you'd like to connect with myself or the guests, the information will be in the show notes below. As always, until next time.